What is up, guys? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Safety's Off After Hours. Exciting? I don't know. Is that too strong a word? Anyway, welcome back. I'm very excited to... I guess it is exciting because I'm excited to host another episode of After Hours. Um, To bring you all up to speed, if you're not familiar with Safety's Off After Hours... What it is essentially is something to combat um, the fact that all four of us as, as members of the Safeties Off crew have trouble getting us all together to shoot the main uh, cast episodes. Uh, as you can see, our previous episode, um, which we're, we think is episode nine. If it's not, it's not. It's just our most recent episode. You saw that we only had two members of the crew um, running the show. Guys did a great job. I always uh, love, you know, listening to the podcast from the point of view of me not being involved um, and just hearing how how everybody um, plays off of one another. Um, Daniel and Gonzo did a fantastic job, um, you know taking the rings and and really uh, uh, giving you guys a really nice and well-rounded episode for Safety's Off Podcast. So I uh, I want to say my hats off to you guys. I look forward to um, the next episode, which will hopefully be the finale that we have been talking about for a while now. Um, not the finale to the podcast altogether. Um, we have decided to make our podcast in seasons, so... We are going to be hitting the season finale of the Safety's Off podcast. We're trying to put some good stuff to get uh, good content together for you guys. Have some really good topics to, t- to go over. Maybe some some little surprises. Uh, maybe some little announcements. But when we have that set in stone and and have everything together, make sure you're following us on any of our social medias, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, TikTok. Discord, YouTube, we even have an email at safetiesoffcrew at gmail.com, um, and we will let you guys know what uh, when that, that uh, finale episode is going to be uh, broadcasting. So, also want to take a second to say thank you to Tech Sound Music, um, and Alex over there, who is the, uh, the, the founder of the company, for sponsoring all of our podcasts. Um, we're very grateful for it. We're working on getting other sponsors as well and trying to get more uh, exposure out there in the uh, in the digital world and and try to hit more uh, more ears out there. So very excited about that. We're working uh, very hard on that and and I wanted to say again thank you to the the person that you know you only knew a couple of the the group members and and you would you were willing to attach your name to a project that you really had no idea uh what direction it was going to go in and i understand that 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 has to you know in situations that can be risky so i really do appreciate you for doing that for us and um and and thank you so much so and if you're not following tech sound music make sure you're following them um Alex over there is going to be taking a break from from the company for the time being. I know he's got a new baby on the way. Congratulations on that. Um, and he's going to be uh, restructuring the business model of the company. But he's assured us all that um, he will be coming back at some point and And everything is going to still be running 
just like it did before. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and like I said, congratulations on the, on the new baby and, and everything that you're working on. Um, you have all of our full support here at safety's off podcast. I hope I'm not putting words in any, into anybody's mouth here at safety's off, but uh, I feel like I'm not, I think we're all on the same page on that. So thank you so much. Um, so anyway, back to safety's off after hours. Um, like I said, these are episodes that are more content for you listeners out there, um, as well as a very, very open forum to any of the crew members. This is something that um, I came up with for all of us to make on our own time when we can, um, when we uh, like when we can't all get together to shoot the main series podcast episodes. This is just something that is a, a blank canvas, as you will. Um I just happened to have hosted the first two episodes, um, but it's completely open to any, but any of the members that want to utilize it and, and approach it however they want. Um, I have chosen to go the true crime route, and I talked a little bit about this on the first episode of After Hours. I am very, very intrigued by true crime. Um and it, it sounds fucked up. When you say it like that, it sounds fucked up because it's like, what are you talking about? But there's just something just, I don't know how to put it. I don't want to rub people the wrong way. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like anybody who is also uh, interested in the true crime, you know, genre of, of, you know, or the world um, kind of feels the same way. There's just something intriguing about it. And there's so many different cases out there of with so many different elements that that just don't make any fucking sense and i think that that's what it is it's this sense of mystery of like the fact that a human being can do the things that they do and somebody who breathes sees hears lives this you know just like the rest of us do but something can just not function correctly. And like, or, or what I mean is like a human being can just be capable of some of these unbelievable things. And it's probably an answer we're never going to get, get it that we're never going to get. Um, but we're going to be looking at a case today. Oh, I didn't even say, so if you're new to safety's off podcast, Please check us out. We have a, a healthy, I think, like nine episodes of the main series up on Spotify. We uh, try to record live every time uh, to um, interact with our audience. And then we have recently launched this companion series known as Safety's Off After Hours, where these are not filmed live. Um, but and they, And the content can be a little different. And it's just something to, to, to offer you guys in the long, in the meantime, between lulls of, uh, of episodes of the main series. But, um, I chose, like I said, I chose to do true crime. My first episode, uh, which was the first episode of this, of after hours, I happened to host. And, uh, we talked about Pappy gate, which if you haven't heard it or don't know what I'm talking about, definitely head over to our Spotify play, uh, our Spotify page, excuse me. And, uh, check out Pappy gate. It's a, it's a really cool episode. I enjoyed filming that one. Um, and now we're going to get into episode two, which, uh, I'm going to title Greyhound. I actually recorded this episode a few weeks ago. 
Um, and when I was running through and doing the editing, I felt like my charisma and my like attitude just wasn't there. I, I remember just hearing it back. I've deleted the files because I did not like the way it came across. It felt really just manufactured. It felt like it, it, it felt like the listening back to that recording of when I first did this episode, um, I just felt like I was almost treating it like a chore and I was just reading net. Like I, it, it, there was no real, like, enthusiasm behind it it felt really dry and i just wasn't happy with the the recording and um i decided you know hey let me you know, let me record it at another time and then i got busy and i never got around to it until now but anyway so let's um let's let's get right into it this is this is um this is a very, very interesting case. As always, um, if you hear pause, long pauses or I kind of stutter a little bit or there's moments of like, <laughs> of just like, um, well, I'm just referring to my notes. Um, I like to, to have notes ready to go when I do these episodes because there's just so much, there's so many, uh, there's so much subject matter to it. Um, but yeah. Also, um, I can't remember if I said it or not, because I've already said a lot of things. Um, I just want to forewarn that there are graphic, um, I don't want to say depictions because I'm just talking, but there are graphic explanations in this episode. We are going to be talking about murder and... Um, not in that context, <laughs> but <laughs> um, the story that we are that I'm going to be talking about uh, does uh, does talk about murder. There are some there is graphic descriptions of what took place. So if that's not your cup of tea, this might not be the episode for you. Or if you have kids listening or whatever it may be, um, just be forewarned. Um, of course. Uh, cussing is uh, is always a, is is gonna be a constant with safeties off, but I just want to make sure that I forewarn about the graphic content of the of this episode specifically. So, um, what are we gonna be talking about today? This is the killing of Tim McLean, um, which occurred on a Greyhound bus. So, this happened on July thirtieth. 2008 um we're gonna talk a little bit first before we get into the incident um let's talk about the the victim um his name was tim mclean uh he was born on october 3rd 1985 uh in winnipeg manitoba canada um he was working as a carnival worker at the time of his death and, um, but anyway, he grew up in Winnipeg and he grew up in Ellie Man- in Winnipeg and Ellie Mantanova. He was 22 years old when he was killed on July 30th, 2008. And as I mentioned before, at the time of his death, he had been working as a carnival worker. He was uh, specifically a carnival barker. 
um, working at a, and what a carnival barker is, is like when you go to like, I haven't been to an actual carnival in a long time, but like, if you go to like six flags or, um, the, like the state fair, whatever, and there's carnival games, there's always people out there that are like trying to like lure you in and they're like, Hey, come on over here. You know, for, for $10, you'll get three balls and you get three shots at trying to knock over these pins or whatever. Like those people that try to lure you in, that's a carnival barker. And that's what he was working as at the time. Um, he was working in Edmont, Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, at the time, and he traveled back and forth from his home, from where he lived, to this carnival via bus. Um, so that, and so he was. Excuse me, sorry. So he was working uh, at this carnival. Um, he had a. He had a wife. He had and and she was pregnant with his child at the time, um, and that I there's not a lot of information on Tim McLean except for really that he was a carnival. Uh, unfortunately, he was a carnival worker, um, and and he just traveled. He traveled around Canada with this carnival, and and then this unfortunately his death took place on a bus ride back home from a a carnival gig. Vince Lee is the name of the perpetrator. So unfortunately I hate when cases don't, um, don't really shine a lot of light on the victim. I feel like there's a lot more time spent, um, you know, discovering who a murderer is than there is for the victim, which at face value kind of makes sense because you're trying to fit like as an investigator or a detective, whatever you figure out what may have made this person do what they did. So it's, you know, I see that you're going to do a shit ton of digging on somebody that murdered somebody as opposed to a victim due to the fact that, They've been murdered. Their their trail ends there. Um, it sounds horrid to say, but like investigators and people that investigate these crimes aren't really like it's not priority who that who the victim was most of the time. Most of the investigation, of course, is done on with the murderer. So in turn, you're going to get more. Um, excuse me, I burped. <laughs> you're going to get more insight on who that person was. So Vince, uh, or Vincent also, uh, he was known as Vince Lee, um, was born in Dandong. I'm going to try to say this Leah Leoning, um, which I believe is in China on April 30th, 1968 in 1992. Lee graduated from Wuhan Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in computing. And from 1994 to 1998, Lee worked in Beijing as a computer software engineer. Um, Lee emigrated to Canada on June 11, 2001, though some newspapers mistakenly said that he had come to uh canada in 2004 it turns out that 
he actually came to Canada in 2001. And he became a Canadian citizen on November 7, 2006. Um, starting in the fall of 2004, he worked in Winnipeg at menial jobs um, at Grant Memorial Church for six months to support his wife, Anna. A pastor there at the church named Tom Castor, who employed Lee, said that he seemed happy to have a job and was committed to doing it well, despite a language barrier uh, with other uh, congregation members. uh, Tim Castor quotes, I think he would occasionally feel frustrated with not being able to communicate or understand. But we have very patient staff members, and he seemed to respond well. Uh, Castor also said that Lee did not show any signs of anger issues or any other trouble before he quit in the spring of 2005, um, just out of the blue. After that, he had, be- uh, he had began working as a forklift operator in Winnipeg that same year's summer while his wife worked as a waitress. So according to um, a psychiatrist named Stanley Yaron, Lee told him that he had converted to Christianity and was baptized during his employment at Grant Memorial Church after he heard the voice of God talking to him. Lee said that the voice called him the third story of the Bible, as well as the second coming of Jesus, destined to save people from an alien invasion. In preparation, the voice would regularly order Lee to travel through the country on foot or by bus, often disappearing from his home for days on end, as corroborated by his wife. Due to his paranoid belief that he was constantly under threat by alien infiltrators, Lee began carrying a buck knife on his person for protection. He would ultimately use this knife to kill Tim McLean. These delusions would later be ascribed to undiagnosed schizophrenia. Lee had previously been examined at William Osler Health Center following an incident in 2005 when he was found wandering a highway in Winnipeg by Ontario Provincial Police and stated that he was following the sun as a command of God. Despite some local newspapers reporting that Lee was diagnosed with schizophrenia by staff there and refused medication, Official records show that Lee was never documented for mental illness, though it was noted at Lee's trial that his maternal uncle suffered from an unspecified psychiatric disorder. Lee first moved to Edinburgh in 2006, abruptly leaving his wife alone in Winnipeg until she joined him later. His jobs included work as a janitor, mechanic, and cashier at Walmart service at a McDonald's restaurant, and a newspaper delivery delivery driver. His delivery boss, Vincent Augert, described Lee as reliable, hardworking, and not showing any signs of trouble. Four weeks before the killing, Lee was fired from Walmart following a disagreement with another employee. Shortly before the incident, he asked for time off from his delivery job to go to Winnipeg for a job interview. And that essentially is 
um, who the where we are with who these two people were. So, we're um, what we're going to get into now is the incident that occurred. We have to now remember this incident happened on July thirtieth, two thousand and eight. So we are going to start on July 29th, 2008, leading up to the um, leading up to the to the uh, incident. At 12:05 p.m. on July 28th, in Edmonton, Lee boarded a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg. On July 29th, around 6 p.m. Lee got off the bus in Erickson, Mantanoba, with at least three pieces of luggage, and stayed the night on a bench next to a grocery store. According to one witness, he was seen at 3 a.m. sitting bolt upright with his eyes wide open. On the morning of July 30th, still at the bench, he sold his new laptop computer to a 15-year-old boy for a mere $60. The laptop was seized by the RCMP as evidence. The boy was subsequently given a new laptop for his honesty by an anonymous businessman. Witness Garnett Catton said that the attackers seemed oblivious to others when the stabbing occurred, adding he was struck by Lee's calm demeanor. There was no rage or anything. He was like a robot stabbing the guy. When he appeared in a Portage La Prairie courthouse on charges of second-degree murder, the only words Lee reported, reportedly uttered were, Please kill me. Sorry, notes. So, on July 30th, 2008, Tim McLean, a carnival barker, was returning home to Winnipeg after working at a fair in Edmonton. He departed Edmonton on board Greyhound Bus 1170 to Winnipeg via the Yellowhead Highway through Saskatchewan. I fucked that one up, but Saskatchewan. If there's any Canadian listeners out there, feel free to correct me. Um, I don't know where, maybe in the comments, uh, uh, send me an email saying that I fucked that one up. But anyway, um, Tim sat at the rear, one row ahead of the toilet. At 6.55 p.m., the bus departed from a stop in Erickson, Mantanova with a new passenger, Vince Lee. Lee described as a tall man in his 40s with a shaved head and sunglasses, originally sat near the front of the bus but moved to sit next to McLean following a scheduled rest stop in Brandon. McLean barely acknowledged Lee, then fell asleep against the window pane, headphones covering his ears. According to witnesses, McLean was sleeping with his headphones on when the man sitting next to him suddenly produced a large knife and began stabbing him in the neck and chest. After the attack began, the bus driver pulled to the side of the road, and he and all the other passengers fled the vehicle. 
The driver and two other men made an attempt to rescue McLean, but were chased away by Lee, who slashed at them from behind the locked bus doors. Lee ultimately decapitated McLean and displayed his severed head to those standing outside the bus, then returned to McLean's body and began severing other parts and consuming some of McLean's flesh. At 8.30 p.m., the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, in Portage La Prairie received a report of a stabbing on a Greyhound bus west of the city. They arrived to find the suspect still on board. Being prevented from escaping from another passenger, the bus driver, and a truck driver who had provided a crowbar and a hammer as weapons. The passengers were huddled at the roadside, some of them crying and vomiting. As the suspect had earlier attempted to escape by driving the bus away, the driver had engaged the emergency immobilizer system, rendering the vehicle inoperable. Witnesses had observed the suspect stabbing and cutting McLean's body with a knife and carrying McLean's severed head around the bus. By 9 p.m., police were in a standoff with the suspect and had summoned special negotiators and a heavily armed tactical unit. The suspect alternately placed the length of sorry, the suspect alternately paced the length of the bus and defiled the corpse. Police officers then observed Lee eating parts of the body. Meanwhile, the stranded passengers were transported from the scene to be interviewed at the Brandon RCMP detachment. RCMP officers reportedly heard Lee say, I have to stay on the bus forever. On July 31, 2008, at 1 a.m., the suspect attempted to escape from the bus by breaking through a window. The RCMP arrested Lee soon afterward. He was shot twice with a taser, handcuffed, and placed in the back of a police cruiser. Parts of the victim's body, placed in plastic bags, were retrieved from the bus, while his ear, nose, and tongue were found in Lee's pockets. The victim's eyes and part of his heart were never recovered, and in spite of his vehement denial, are presumed to have been eaten by Lee. At 10 a.m., Greyhound representatives took the other passengers to a local store to replace their clothes, which remained on the bus. They arrived in Winnipeg at 3 p.m. that day to be reunited with family members and friends. Now, I know that's a lot. (laughs) That is a lot to have happened on this bus. And the thing about this case is the ending. It's not over yet. We're going to talk a little bit about the trial and the outcome. Because the ending of this has really got me shook and curious. So Lee's trial commenced on March 3rd, 2009, with Lee pleading not criminally responsible on account of mental disorder. This means he accepted that the offense occurred, but claimed that he was unable to form the necessary mental element or mens re. Stanley Uren said that his patient's schizophrenia rendered him inculpable as he had been under the false belief that McLean was a force of evil and posed an imminent threat to himself and others. 
In Lee's mind, McLean was really a demon in disguise and an alien who needed to be destroyed, to the point where he felt it was necessary to mutilate McLean's body to prevent him from coming back to life. Lee had also felt pressured to perform the attack by voices he believed were from God, telling him to kill McLean sitting beside him or he would be killed himself. Both the defense and the prosecution were in agreement with Yaren's assessment and spoke in favor of involuntary commitment to a mental institution rather than prison time. The presiding judge, John Scurfield, accepted the diagnosis and ruled that Lee was not criminally responsible for the killing. Lee was remanded to the Selkirk Mental Health Center. Now, so he went to trial, pled insanity, essentially, and was sentenced to a mental health institute. There's a lot of aftermath that happened after this happened. And we're going to go through several bullet points leading up to the, to the end of this case. So, in the aftermath, the week following the attack... Greyhound Canada announced it was pulling a series of nationwide advertisements, which included the slogan, There's a reason you've never heard of bus rage. (laughs) That was probably a good move on their part. (laughs) The incident has led to numerous calls and petitions demanding increased security on inner city buses. So now we're going to go into these bullet points. Um, And of exact and how everything happened in the following weeks, months, days, and even years after this incident. So the family of Tim McLean have brought a lawsuit of $150,000 against Greyhound, the attorney general of Canada and Vince Lee on June 3rd, 2010, Lee was granted supervised outdoor walks within his mental health facility as voted by the provincial, uh, the provincial review board on February 16th, 2011, two passengers, Deborah Tucker and Kaylee Shaw filed a lawsuit against Lee Greyhound, the RCMP and the Canadian government for being exposed to the beheading. They were each seeking $3 million in damages. On July 14, 2015, the two women dropped their lawsuit. On May 30, 2011, CBC reported that Lee was responding well to his psychiatric treatment and that his doctor had recommended that he receive more freedoms, phased in over several months. On May 17, 2012, The National Post reported that Lee had been granted temporary passes that would allow him out of the Selkirk Mental Health Center for visits to the town of Selkirk, supervised by a nurse and peace officer. In an interview with Chris Somerville of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, Lee spoke publicly for the first time sharing that his condition is slowly improving. He is being prescribed olanzapine, and was learning about schizophrenia, as well as ways to cope with it in a healthy manner. Lee affirmed his guilt, saying he can never forget the Greyhound bus, 
and that he believes that he can never be happy again, acknowledging that McLean's family likely won't forgive him. When asked for parting words, Lee offered an apology to McLean's mother, stating, I would like to say to McLean, to Tim McLean's mother, I am sorry for killing your son. I am sorry for the pain I have caused. I wish I could reduce that pain. On February 27, 2014, CBC reported that on March 6, Lee would be allowed to have unsupervised visits to Selkirk starting at 30 minutes and expanding to full-day trips. Since 2013, he had been allowed to have supervised visits to Lockport, Winnipeg, and nearby beaches. Those visits were then relaxed. On July 17, 2014, the Toronto Sun reported that one of the first officers on the scene Corporal Ken Barker of the P had committed suicide. The family stated in his obituary that he had post-traumatic stress disorder. On February 27, 2015, CBC News reported that Lee was given unsupervised day passes to visit Winnipeg so long as he carried a functioning cellular telephone while using them. On May 8, 2015, CCTV reported that Lee would be granted passes to group homes in the community. In February of 2016, it was reported that Lee had legally changed his name to Will Lee Baker and was seeking to leave his group home to live independently. He won the right to live alone on February 26th upon... Uh, upon the recommendation of the criminal code review. Are you guys ready for the last date? I feel like as I've read these bullet points, you guys are already starting to pull together how this is going to end. And it is bananas. On February 10th, 2017, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board ordered Lee to be discharged. Lee was granted an absolute discharge, and there would be no legal obligations or restrictions pertaining to Lee's live, independent living. So in 2017, he was pretty much cleared of everything. And just allowed to walk out of this mental hospital as a free human being. And that is the conclusion of the murder of Tim McLean on a Greyhound bus. Um, um, like... It's just, oh, sorry. I was just, I was running all this shit through my head. I'm just like, how wild that is. But I think the question would be like, where is Vincent Lee today? And you're going to be not surprised to know that nobody fucking knows. No one really knows where Vincent Lee is today. He, he, got discharged and went on 
about his business. And then it's not that he vanished. Like, it's not like he, no one knows where he is, but he literally just, he did kind of just disappear. People don't really know where he is or what he's doing. Like, uh, and, and what he's up to, he's just kind of living amongst us now, which is wild to me. Now, getting back to him being released, like it's, it's a very, it's kind of a hard thing to sort of say, like what defines something that you would, would be acceptable that somebody gets released from prison for? Like, would you say if somebody murdered someone 50 years ago and, you know, 50 years later when they're 75 or 80 years old, it was decided, you know what? Good behavior. They can, they can leave. And I know that it sounds like it should be clear cut when I say, when I give my answer of like, I feel like that's fair. You know, they're 80, 90 years old. They've been in prison for you know, 50, 60 years. Okay. They can go, they can spend the last few years of their life free. But the thing is, is that's not to me, but then on the other side of the coin, that's not fair to the family. The family of these people, like they lost, somebody lost their life. It doesn't matter if it was all, they were just a, you know, a young guy that didn't know what they were doing or whatever. So I can see it from that angle as well. Do I believe that Vincent Lee should have been let because he was a good boy? He was, he should have been able to be let free and uh, like, no, like the, not only did he murder somebody, he mutilated this person. He mutilated them. He deca- he clearly decapitated them and showed it off to the world. Like that, that to me, that's, that's life. My friend. You don't have, it doesn't have to be the death penalty, but it's hands down life. You don't get to walk free. Like when it comes to taking another human being's life, there's no slap on the hand. Like, okay, you've been, you've been good this past, you know, that, that was a period of, he, he, he went in, what was 2011 and was released in 2017. Like a little less than 10 years after the crime. Like, no. Very, very, uh, like, like a, a very, very twist of an ending to a true crime story. Um, and it, it, it blows me away. You know, it, it makes you, because like then where my mind goes, is how many people like when you go to the grocery store or just like if you work just wherever you work at if you work in you know I know I know pretty much all of us here at the Safeties Off podcast um have worked in retail do work in retail or have worked in retail so you're seeing multiple people every day. How many of those people have murdered somebody and have gotten off on good behavior because they, they or I, I actually think more about how many people around that do I see every day that have murdered somebody and, and they were never caught. They got away with it. 
That's fucking wild. Man, that's fucking wild to me. Um but yeah, the the uh the this the Greyhound bus murder like really um gives me chills every time I I look in like look at like cuz every so often like I'll think about a case and I'll see like I'll read up on it again and every time I think about that one I I get chills like every all the time cuz it's just such a it the ending of it being like this man was just able to be let go free because he essentially was a good kid for five years. Like that's just nuts to me, but I digress. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed, um, the, that, that case, um, or not enjoyed it. That's a, (laughs) but I, I, I hope you guys, you know, were intrigued by it and, and enjoyed just listening in and listening to this case. Um, as always, I like to end, I like to go into what am I spinning this week in which I'll talk about a record that I am spinning this week. So let's, let's jump over to that and, and, and take a look at that real quick. So today what we have, what am I, I'm going to move the mic a little bit closer. Excuse me. What am I spinning this week? We are spinning camp. I feel like I really enunciated the the P there. Camp by Childish Gambino. Um, if you're not familiar with this uh, record, definitely give it a listen. Um, so Childish Gambino, also known as Donald Glover. If you're a fan of um, the television show Community... Um, I think he was a writer for 30 Rock. He start he's has starred in some movies. He was uh Lazo Cal Calrissian in um the solo movie. He had a small part in I think it was the I think it was Spider-Man Homecoming. He had a small part in that movie. He was in the movie The Martian with Matt Damon. Um he has a show on uh, FX called Atlanta. I'm not sure if that has ended already or not, but he's uh, he's he's been around. <laughs> um, but it, as a something else he has done is he is in the music industry and he has under the moniker Childish Gambino, which he adopted when he threw his name through a Wu Tang Clan name generator online and it churned out childish gambino um so camp is what i would call he had several he had a few mixtapes before camp i would camp is his first commercial release as an album um which i want to say this came out back in like 2000 and golly i was i want to say this came out in like 2007 or like or like 2010 excuse me 2010, 2011, it a while back. This is at least over a decade old. Um, and, but yeah, so this was his debut album, and it told this story in the background of a of a kid who goes to camp. Um, so some notable songs on here. This I'm gonna tell you right now. This whole album is a fucking banger. 
Okay, like there is not one song on here that I like skip over. When I listen to this album, I listen to every single song. And so which is rare. Like I don't want to say is rare. I have a, a, most of my album, but like this is just such a well-rounded album. Um you start off with the track Outside and and which is tells a a little snippet of um his life in a nutshell and his bringing up and his upbringing and and what he experienced as a young black kid growing up um in a predominantly white um area of the country and and what he had to deal with every day and then you go you go into firefly um, the third track, which is known as Bonfire, which the the beat on this this thing is like so just like boom, boom like and there's like this um, like this alarm in the background that really like melds in really well with just the overall beat. Um, it's it's like an alarm, but it's also kind of like a chant. I don't know. It's you got to if like this is definitely one of those songs you got to listen to. Um, Followed by All of the Shine, Letter Home, Heartbeat, which is a really good track. When Heartbeat first came out, uh, me and a friend at the time from work used to make fun of this song because of some of the lyrics were just really like... Some of the lyrics were just funny. <laughs> and, and, and like I, one of the lyrics is like... Um, damn, how does it go? I, I'm going blank. Um, God. Damn, I can't remember how it goes. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to Google it in real time so I can, uh, I can read it to you. I don't want to butcher it. Like I kind of know how it goes, but I don't want to, um, try to guess it. And uh, and butcher how it like the way it goes. So it's oh, okay. Here it goes. So this is what we found funny at the time, which the the lyrics go. So I'm chilling with my girlfriend. But she's not my real girlfriend. She got a key to my place, but she's not my real girlfriend. So, at the, like, listening to it at face value, we thought it was just funny. But as I really start, like, once I purchased the album and really started diving deep into it back then, it like, those lyrics kind of set in and I was like, oh shit, I get it. But anyway... I digress, but so heartbeat backpackers, um, L E S hold you down. Kids kids was really good. So kids is kind of like, um, it's kind of like from a point of view of, um, of an adult thinking about how easy life was like as a kid, especially when you had like your first love when you were, like in elementary school and it it's just a really good rundown and the of like 
what that experience was like when you're kind of reminiscing and I really enjoy the chorus on this one. The chorus is like, if we were kids, I'd want to give you everything that you would want. Like, and it, it really goes like, it's a great song. Um, then you go into, you see me, which is like this, to me, the song, it, it, the song you see me and the song bonfire or what I would call like flexing songs. This was like childish Gambino. Like he got a really good, just like grunge beat and he just goes off. Those are what those two songs are, especially bonfire. Um, followed by sunrise. And then the whole album is wrapped up with the song that power. And what I love about that power is you get a, you get this really good crafted song for the first like three minutes. And then the rest of it, it's like an eight minute track. And the rest of the song after that first three minutes, which isn't even really a song, it's got the it's got a back track like playing the whole time. But Childish Gambino goes on to talk about um which really, like I said, it ties the whole album up. Like the thing I love about this is there's two different stories going on. When you listen to this album, you have the story of Donald Glover, AKA childish Gambino and what his life and like it detailing his life in a way, but it runs linear to also his experience at camp as a, as a young kid. And in that, at the end of that power, he's essentially speaking to you and he tells out the story of how he spent the entire uh, summer with a girl that he met at camp and how he was, how he had fallen in love with her, but didn't have the guts to tell her. And as they're drive, as they're riding back on the, su- the bus back from camp, he's got these thoughts running through his head of like, if I don't convey my feelings now, we live in two different areas of, of the city we live in. I may never see her again. So he's he's battling with like, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? And then battling with the ideas of regret. Like if I don't tell her, she's never going to know. But if I do tell her, at least she knows like what if the like. And it's a really well. I feel like we've all been in that situation at some point. And I think that that's what's really powerful about it. Um, and then there's a little bit of like a, not a twist. I don't want to twist is too strong of a word, but, um, there's a little bit of, I I don't want to use the word twist, but there's something that happens as he's explaining the story that really kind of like, you're like, oh man, like what the fuck, you know? And then this set, and this also sets up the, the, um, this also sets up the scene for his second album, um, which we're not going to go into, but um, definitely Camp by Childish Gambino. If you haven't listened to it, definitely, definitely give it a listen. I And um, let me, as I did before, like the songs, if you're not going to listen to this album, the songs I would definitely listen to are... The, the opening track outside bonfire kids 
that power and God heartbeat and hold you down. Okay. Like at least listen to one of those. Um, there's a tra- there's a bonus track. It's not on the album, but it came out. It was uh, if usually if you bought the CD or you bu- even when you bought the record, you got a download of it. But you can just go to YouTube and listen to it. Of course, it's called Freaks and Geeks. You gotta listen to it. It's a damn good track. Um, and it was during the camp era. So yeah, um, if you are, if you have listened to the album, feel free. Shoot me a shoot me a comment. Shoot me an email. Um, whatever. Reach out to me on the on any of our social medias. Um, let me know what you thought of the album. If you did listen to it for the first time, or if you just have already listened to it, like feel free to reach out. Send me send me comments. Whatever you want. Um, we uh, we all share the safeties off uh, messenger box. Um, you can email at safetiesoffcrew at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, and let me know what you thought about the album. Uh, let me put this down. And that's going to bring us to a, to a close here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode two of Safeties Off After Hours. I had a great time fil- uh, filming. <laughs> I had a great time um, recording this episode for you guys and and uh i hope you guys have a like i hope you guys enjoyed listening to it definitely check out pappy gate if you haven't um and i am very excited about the uh season finale um like i said me and the guys are still we're working through um some ideas on what we want to bring to you guys i've had some ideas that i think would be great for a season finale and um and we look forward to having as many listeners there during the live, if not just tuning in even afterwards on Spotify. Um, but yeah. And overall I send my gratitude, my, my gratitude, my, my sincere thanks to anybody out there that takes the time to listen to our podcast and, and just spend, you know, a little bit of time with us. And we have a great time shooting these things and giving you that content. We hope to bring you much, much more. Um, but yeah. Overall, um, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for following whatever you guys do. You know all of our social medias. You know the email now. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I, again, <laughs> I always feel like I'm talking to talk. So, um, And I actually made this episode in less than an hour. I think the last one was a little over an hour. But anyway, thanks again. And... I will hopefully catch you with the rest of the guys on an, on our next episode of the Safeties Off podcast, or I will catch you guys again in another episode of After Hours. Either way, you're going to hear from me again at some point. But thanks again. Happy listening. And I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.